Welcome to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. National Barbecue Month continues here, baby. Let's get this party started off right with the genie, Steph Franklin from Simply Marvelous. Steph has developed some of the best rubs on the planet, and he's a hell of a competition cook as well, and just one of the best guys that you'll meet in barbecue. I think you'll enjoy this fun, straight talk episode from my friend Steph. This episode is brought to you by the Barbecue League. The Barbecue League is the ultimate barbecue experience. Here's why. One small annual investment from you instantly unlocks all 70 plus tell-all recipes, enthusiast recipes, restaurant tours, and more in their unmatched library. This isn't your typical YouTube type content. World champions like Getting Basted, Shake and Bake Barbecue, Heavy Smoke Barbecue, La Pasadita Barbecue, and 913 Barbecue share their full tell-all recipes. No secret is left unsaid. And a new video release is guaranteed every single week of your membership. You will also see unfiltered looks from all levels of pitmasters during their live competition coverage. And those same pitmasters are accessible through the league's upbeat online community. As soon as you sign up, you'll also have a full arsenal of some of the best discounts in barbecue from brands like Snake River Farms, Blues Hog, Big Papa Smokers, Gunter Wilhelm, and Gateway Drum Smokers, and more. The Barbecue League puts on members-only contests throughout the year, hosts live and virtual events, and offers a full-access league lounge at participating events. Listeners to the OVS Pitmaster podcast can receive $10 off of the annual $100 annual membership this month only by using code, all caps, MAYPITMASTER, all one word, M-A-Y-P-I-T-M-A-S-T-E-R on the bbqleague.com. Sign up today and up your barbecue game. And we are here today with Steph Franklin from Simply Marvelous, the genie. How you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic, my friend. And it is great to have you on here. You were one of the people that I was thinking of when I first started this podcast and how great it would be to spend some time and ask you some of these questions. And I think that your products are some of the best products out there in barbecue. And I just think that you are one of the best dudes, one of the most interesting people out there in barbecue land. I appreciate it, man. I really do. Cool. Well, let's jump right into it. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's talk about what's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you. I guess my success in the uh, barbecue rub business. I mean, I've basically been making a living off of it. Quit my university job uh, several years ago and went full time doing the barbecue spices and catering business and developing rubs for other companies. So curating, that's been fun and really has taken off. When you say developing rubs, you mean like developing rubs for other companies and stuff like that? Correct. So, you know, I make Snake River Farms rubs, a company out here called The Woodshed, I'm making their rubs. I got a couple of the irons in the fire now, and that's fun. It's just fun to watch the rub business grow through that curation process. That's pretty cool. You do definitely have one of the best palettes and best eyes for flavor out there. It's several of your rubs are mainstays in our kitchen that I can't live without, like <laughs> the genie's trinity the genie's elixir the pecan i mean all three of those get used in this house weekly and they're just all so interesting and so dynamic thanks man i appreciate that a lot of heart into it uh, i do think i have a good 
palate. I won't say excellent, but I do think I have a good palate. Kind of blessed with the skill of mixing flavors together. And, you know, sometimes more often than not, they don't work. So (laughs) it, it takes a lot of failure to make success. So what advice would you give to a smart young cook who's about to jump into the competition barbecue world? Practice. You got to practice, you know, just like Alan Iverson said, we talking about practice. (laughs) Um, The other thing is who to take advice from and who not to take advice from. Figuring that out because everybody's not your friend. You got to close your gap in terms of who you get advice from, you know. I learned that real early in the game. I mean, some guys will throw you off telling you they're using one rub, but they got something else in the shakers, or they'll put different rubs and different bottles to throw people off from shaking. And so you just got to be careful who you listen to. Just just develop three, four people who you can talk to, who can uh, taste your food and tell you the truth and, and not bullshit you. That's what you need. Yeah, that's so important because I'm sure that you get it as well as a lot of you know, a lot of us out there, like people bringing you food and stuff. And I always tell people, I give them the caveat that if you give me that piece of chicken to eat, I'm going to tell you the truth, you know, right. so don't be mad if I do it. <laughs> oh yeah. I tell everybody the truth. I, I, I can't, I cannot tell a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Cause some people take that stuff really hard, but if we don't tell the truth then nobody gets better. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I hurt your feelings. I hurt your feelings. You shouldn't have asked me. So I'm a, I'm just straight, I'm a straight shooter. That's right. So, only way I that's, know how to fly. And that's, you know, getting in to find those people in the beginning of competition barbecue. I think that really involves a lot of, you know, putting yourself in the situation where you can just sit and listen and you'll figure out pretty quick who, who can help you and who can't. Yep. What do you think separates a good pitmaster from a great pitmaster? The first thing that comes to mind, Luke, is consistency. I know when I'm cooking great, I'm consistent. When I'm not cooking great, I'm not consistent. Not being set in your ways, knowing when you need to make changes. You know, if something ain't working three, four, five comps, it's time to make some changes. Just like Michael Jackson said, make that change. You know, again, not being stubborn in all seriousness. If the judges are liking the the meat at a you know a different cook point than they did previous two years or whatever, in terms of texture and tenderness, you gotta make the change. You can't you can't hold on. I mean I you know, in two thousand was that fifteen I was my rib recipe, I couldn't seems like I couldn't miss. 16, it all went away. And mm-hmm. so, you know, only, only way I came back was to make some change. That's switch brands, get with the program. You know, the judges wanted extra tender ribs and I wanted to cook high-end ribs. They wanted the cheap ribs, not the, the expensive yeah. ribs. And so you you just got to make that change. I think that's a good point too. And that do you, do you take good notes about processes and recipes like while you're cooking? Uh, no, I used <laughs> to. Um, I I'm at a point. I, I've cooked so many over a hundred and something contests. I know what to do. 
I know what to do. And I know when I'm struggling, I know to take away and not add. Man, that's and a lot of times because I, I always have a starting point. Mm-hmm. So when I'm struggling and, and I always go back to point A and you know, just go with the basics. Don't try to add a little extra pizzazz to it or another sauce. I, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll give my formula back to the basics and, and, and go from there. I think that's such a great point. So many times when we've gotten into trouble with meats, it's never, it's always been taking stuff away. It's never been adding. Yeah, that's oh, a great yeah. point. Well, most people, you know, they, they add. They start mm-hmm. adding stuff versus taking away. And, and, you know, I always tell people, take away, don't, don't add. <laughs> Let's dive into the background a little bit. How has your career or life experiences outside of barbecue prepared you for the position that you're in now? Well, I, I worked at, as a university administrator for 20 plus years prior to doing professional uh, barbecue commercially. So I think, and you know, I, when I left the university, I had a pretty high level position. So I had to have a certain confidence. Uh, I'm meeting with very smart students. I mean, I worked at uh, UC Santa Barbara, professors, VPs, chancellors, you know, mm-hmm. and I always had to be on my game. So I think that translated to competition barbecue for me. And like I said, I'm a straight shooter. I don't necessarily tell people what they want to hear. I tell people the facts. And so, and I have to tell myself the facts, you know, if I effed up, I effed up, you know? Right. And so I learned from that. And I think that's, I think that has helped me and hasn't hurt me. I don't see how it could hurt you. I mean, I think, especially in being confident with, with that and being confident with, you know, how you are and how you present yourself, I think that confidence bleeds over into your cooking. Absolutely. Absolutely. It absolutely does. Yeah. I'm never intimidated. No, you can't be. I love people that come up and tell me, they're like, oh, this person's at this contest and this person's there and I'm not, I don't have a chance. I'm like, well, why are you even going? I know, well, I already (laughs) beat them. Once they start saying that, I've never once done that. Actually, I find that the more talent there, the better I cook. So, yeah, I, I want to be on that table. I want to see where where I am. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I've had people run my boxes before, and they want to wait and uh, you know pick the table. Who you get on the table with? What you really can't do on, other than chicken. And, and I'll go off on them. I'm like, put my damn meat up there when you get up there. I don't run my boxes. <laughs> don't <laughs> look around and see whose table you are. And I don't want to know whose table I'm on. Just put my box down. Exactly. Get in line and put your box down. <laughs> Lots of people on these podcasts like to spend time talking about how great we all are and all the things we've won and all the stuff we've done. One of my favorite things to talk about is failures. Mm -hmm. Do you have a failure or something that went wrong in a competition that you really learned from that set you up for later success? Uh, Well, 2016 for me was a big failure. Even though I've I've rebounded towards the end of the season, 2016 was rough. I remember 
just couldn't find find it again, you know. And then one day I remember it was like projects or something like that. And you know, 14, 15 comps in, and I started looking at my boxes. And I mean, really dissecting my boxes. And I was like, well, shit, no wonder you cooking bad. These boxes are, are terrible. You can't do the same thing. I mean, they probably was the same boxes I'll turn in the previous two years when I was hot. But, you know, the, the boxes were getting better across the board. So I started paying more detail to my boxes. And like I said earlier, taking things away. And 2017, I, I bounced back just fine. Didn't get a whole bunch of GCs, but I was always pretty much top five or something, you know, RDC or six, right. but mostly top five that whole year. You know, 2016, and every time I get in a little rut, I think about 2016, I'm like, you'll bounce back. I don't even freak out no more. <laughs> know what to do. You bring up an important point, too. So you do take pictures of all your boxes of turn-ins? Yeah, unless I'm running late, because, you know. That's Chucky got to think too fast, so I got to... <laughs> <laughs> it's a big point for me in that I love going back and looking at them, and I also want to have evidence if a judge comes back and says, I'm disqualified, and they show me a box and be like, it ain't my box. <laughs> it ain't my box. Right. I take my... Yeah, I take pictures. And I send them to my uh, sous chef for catering business and my wife, and, and they'll just... They brutal. <laughs> they have to tell me you you got to fix that, and oh. so I send it to them. I, you know, the couple of times that Kim's not been there, I've sent her boxes after turn-ins, and I just get this feeling of dread that washes over me when I send them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm like you know, you're like, ooh, can I edit that out so they don't say nothing or whatever? But, <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, you know, you just got to have people tell you the truth. Yeah. They know I can take it, so bring it on. <laughs> just tell them the truth, so I can pay for the next comp. Because this comp is over, right? And you get if no one tells you you're messing up, then you ain't gonna get any better. That's for sure. That's right. Let's get into some gear here. Let's talk about some gadgets and stuff. What's one of the best investments that you've ever made in competition barbecue? Best investments. Uh, it would be my Humphrey cookers. Uh, Man, they're great. I think they like a tank, right? So they'll last forever. So that would be the first. The second would be my trailer. I got a new to me trailer. And, you know, I use an enclosed model just because the other trailers are too big to get into my yard. So yeah, um, I got this huge yard, but I love this little narrow street. So about 17 feet is all I can probably swing into the yard. And, you know, <laughs> back up. and then, you know, my camper. My wife and I bought a camper back in, I used to have an RV, and so that was an investment too, but I blew it up. It was gas and towing 5,000 pounds every week wasn't working. I hear you. I was running it, man, just running it. I killed that thing. (laughs) um, We had bought it from our in-laws, and so now we bought uh, a truck camper because, you know, I got a 2,500 diesel. And, And primarily, it's just me at the comps anyway, so... The camper works fine. Wife come. It's enough room for the both of us. Uh, now we got puppy, so now we're thinking about getting something else and everything else. <laughs> so more money. But those are the, the things that make me comfortable at a comp. It's a weekend getaway. Yeah. So I got some Christmas conference. And then I got 
the tools to get the job done with the Humphreys cookers. Yeah, I love I loved my Humphreys cookers when I had them, and uh, we still have we still have one that's down at uh, with Leanne in South Carolina. So every time I go down there, I get to visit old girl and run some meat through her, and I really enjoy that cooker. It's like you said, it'll be around forever. Yep, as long as you take care of it. Yep. So those are all expensive things, Steph. Do you have any purchases of a hundred dollars or less that has most positively impacted your barbecue career so okay one of the most (laughs) stressful things i used to do was make my sauce right before boxing like heat it up Uh uh-huh so because i like my sauce piping hot when it's on that meat right so i had the stress of trying to get make get the sauce to tip and and everything and then i would get it too hot sometimes where i'd be cussing trying to box my ribs some uh, my wife still laughs to this day. Uh, back in uh, 2015, I was at a conference, and the sauce was so hot it was like molten lava. And I was in that I was in the trailer cussing in Spanish, and uh, <laughs> going off like so. It just became I couldn't get you know it was just stressful trying to get the right temperature and, and not burn the sauce and things of that nature. So going back to your question. In the last, and it's been over a year, so I'm gonna edit what you in terms of a year because of COVID. I bought these little Yeti um, thermoses, and so I'll make my sauce like nine thirty in the morning, you know. And those little thermoses will hold the right temp for me until I use them during boxing uh, of the protein. So that's been one of the most incredible things I've started using was those Yeti thermoses. Huh. That's something that, that's a new one. That's something I I will have to try. Yeah, give it a try. Especially when cooking by myself. That's a, that's got to be a huge time saver. Oh, uh, dude, you have no idea. It's just huge. I split that half. So it takes about 20 minutes or so to heat them all, all three or four sauces up, depending on how I'm feeling about frisket. <laughs> sauce or no sauce. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. I, I just saw one of them. You know that. And uh, <laughs> so if it's the three, you know, chicken ribs and pork, then it's about 15, 20 minutes of rope. But, you know, you get them heated up properly and between doing other things during the con. Huh. And also, and let me tell you another little, I'll give this one last trick. And that is I use a timer when I'm doing the sauces. Because I've walked away and forgot the sauces were on, and I've burnt sauce before. Ooh. So then you gotta go to the other sauce and you know, or just try to fix it or whatever. I have See, burnt sauce and got first place chicken before, so let's <laughs> go dig it. But uh, See, I, I have a little alarm, one of those little egg timers. Yeah, yeah. And I just put it on, and it'll ding by the time I think it should be boiling. So don't remind because I'll walk away to go check pork or something and forget or oh, my uh, dots are going off for pork to be done or something like that brisket done I'll forget. Now that's know. that's hugely important because I don't know about you but like when I go to a competition like the sauce that I have there is the sauce that I have to use I don't have extra in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I'm just taking what I what I need and. Now I got to get a timer. (laughs) 
and I always keep a couple of bottles or something in there just in case I get something happen. So right, um, that, that that's probably a good idea too. <laughs> yeah, just some random stuff you know that I use anyway, and I'll just have a couple extra bottles in there. So that's just emergency sauce, no mixing, probably just something to put on the meat. <laughs> right on. Uh, See, their listeners are a couple of great tips, a couple of things that will improve your game dramatically. Do you use a lot of technology when you're cooking? No. No? You don't no. use like gurus or anything? Oh, so I use gurus. Okay, that's the bare minimum. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, gurus, especially when you're cooking solo and you don't want to be probing through the meat, you know, the foil. So yeah. I use... I use, uh, I mean, I use dots for that, and then I use um, the guru to control the temp. Cause I, I cook hot and fast. I, I, I'll put a guru on there so it don't get too hot. I don't That's have a cool. problem with it getting up to temp. It, it, it likes to creep over, you know, three fifty or something, and then that starts burning mm-hmm. top of your meat. So um, I do use the band for that, but I use the dots as well, and that's it. I don't use apps. When I first started cooking, seriously, uh, I remember, you remember that eye grill? Yeah. I used to use that stuff, man. <laughs> and I used to use another. So anyway, I used to use the eye grill. I'll tell you this story. I remember sitting up in the RV and I, I freaking can't sleep because I'm watching my pork, the tips on my pork spike. And so, so um, you know, it, you know, I had my little iPad set up and everything else, and, and it was just stressing me the hell out. <laughs> um, so I got rid of that and, and and just started cooking raw. I mean, I think I, I went to something else. And I used to have trouble with the probes all the time. And it was a high-end PID. And one day I'm at a comp, my wife happened to be there, and she just went off. Just fucking get rid of this thing. <laughs> and, you know, because I'm trying to be all high tech and everything. And, you know, <laughs> you don't need a flux capacitor when you cook it, you know. So she just said, me get rid of it. I sold it, got three fourths of my money back, and went and, and I went to the guru because I didn't have no com- computer Wi Fi problems, no setup, no flux capacitors, I like to call it. <laughs> um, so you don't need an engineering degree to run your your temperature controller. So oh, that's man. You, about the extent of me. You just took me back in time to my eye grill. <laughs> 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 I used to have the same thing, man. I used to have the, all that shit out there. <laughs> it, it, it just it, it was just it was stressful. That's what it was. Yeah. I'm kind of known for being a very calm and cool and collective cook. And that just had me out of my mode. And, uh, <laughs> so I got rid of it. Yeah, because it just gives you too many other things to worry about. And again, taking stuff away. There's another instance. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's it. I've enjoyed cooking ever since. And not that I didn't enjoy it, but it, it was, it's, it's been stress-free ever since, basically. Yeah. Who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? Man, that's, I can't name one person because that would be a lie. <laughs> so the person, who, let, let me start with Neil Strader. I don't know if you knew him, Big Mister. 
he got me started on a dare to, to start competing. <laughs> uh, so I'll have to put him there. How did he start you on a dare? Uh, so it was back in 2007. My cousin got murdered. So he and a couple of other friends, uh, and I was going through a divorce. All was, it, Just the world was collapsing around me. And they came and told, I mean, they called and told me to come to the conference when I got back from Chicago. And so I went down there and uh, just checked it out. Just did the potluck when everybody cooked the little, I, I still remember cooking a lamb roast, a leg of lamb or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I got tipsy as hell <laughs> and just enjoyed the atmosphere. And so it was a comp the, the, either the, uh, the following week or the week after that. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll come down to that one. And Neil said, you, you cooking or drinking? Or he said, you, you competing or drinking? And I said, this son of a bitch just this uh, dare. I signed up. <laughs> and that was that. That was history. So that was Neil. Uh, of course, Sterling Ball, because he had exclusivity for Simply Marvel's barbecue products via e commerce for years. And I mean, he was in my wedding and gave me tips over the year and vice versa. And, and so. Another person, believe it or not, be Johnny Trigg, <laughs> because when I was getting to know him, he's like, and I wasn't, I, wasn't, I hadn't won yet. So, and we used to do out here on the West Coast, you know, People's Choice is very popular. So mm -hmm. I go to the contest and like, well, if I ain't gonna win the categories, I'll, I'll get my money back by vending. And Johnny looked at me one day, he's like, Steph, let me tell you something. You wanna win? Stop doing PC. I haven't done PC once since he told me that. And sure wow. enough, it, it happened like the next year. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, so I, I will not do people's choice. I used to take the crew down. We do the PC, you know, and all that stuff, trying to make money. Yep. So I don't do that. Sylvie Curry, so we talk a barbecue. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's been the person to, she tries out all my new rubs before everybody else do. In competition, uh, we ran Pepper Cow for year, for a couple of years before we I released it, and we used to I mean we were top five damn near every contest using it because it was unique at the time. That's another great run. I'd say Darren Worth always because he uh, and when I was struggling in 2016, he helped me get my chicken on track. Justin McGlone, Lucky's um, good old luck, you know <laughs> so. We, we talk all the time and we'll, if something's not working for him, I'll give him a recipe. Something's not working for me. He'll give me a recipe. And it's been amazing, the relationship. And, you know, and I, I be, you know, I don't have a big group of people, like I was saying earlier, that I uh, go to if I need help, you know, but Aaron and Sylvie and Lucky, you know, they always there for me if I need them. You just rattled off an amazing list, man. <laughs> Yeah. So that's that, that's the people who got me started and helped me become Simply Marvel's partner. When you're getting ready for your contest, is your week the same from contest to contest? Or are you doing the same things every day? I do the and... same exact thing, unless it's a doubleheader, pretty much. Or I'm going out of town earlier because I'm going fishing, so I'll switch it up a little bit. But 
a little bit about that. So I make my sauces usually like the week before on a Thursday or Friday. Put them in those Yeti um, thermoses. Usually my, you know, I cook SRF briskets, you know, and I, I thaw big meats out on Sunday. Getting ready for the next week. Yeah, I got a commercial fridge, so I can be ready to basically. So I, I, I trim on Wednesday because the garbage man comes Thursday morning. <laughs> so I can put all of, you know, the scraps in, because I don't keep scraps and all this other stuff. I, you know, uh, I used to do that stuff, you know. <laughs> But now I throw all that crap away, man. I just throw it away. And uh, <laughs> the garbage man comes on Thursday. And I usually leave for a contest on Thursday Thursday morning, hopefully before the garbage man comes so he don't block the street because I live on this little narrow uh, neighborhood. <laughs> Same reason I trade Wednesday. Because <laughs> he's, he's coming Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Makes it easy, right? It makes it easy. Yeah. And then if you put that stuff out there, especially here in Virginia and it's a hundred degrees and it sits there for four days, no good. no good. That's cool. You strike me as you might be a touch superstitious. I don't know. Do you have any habits uh, or rituals or routines that you have to do during a competition? Driving to the competition. I, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. I listen to audio books all the way to and fro. And, you know, I've been known to get to the competition won't jump out the truck because some juicy part, you know, in the book is happening. And I'll wait about 15 minutes while people are like, hey, Steph. I'm like, hold on a minute. I'm like, I'm on a conference call, but I'm really <laughs> listening to a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I nerd out. And I really, um, I wasn't driving during COVID, so I, I wasn't doing audio books as much. So, man, we did a you know i wasn't and i do it the same thing when i'm like on an airplane uh so i wasn't flying wasn't driving so you know no audio books but i i just i'm a big huge fan of audio books and i probably you know i probably i'm probably doing when during the comp season or true comp season i probably do 50 books in a year wow because uh, sometimes i'll you know sometimes they six hours sometimes they 18 hours so if, if it's six hours, I might do two or three of those in one weekend. So, and sometimes, you know, if I, I go to bed early and I can't go to sleep, I'll turn the audio book on. So I get through, I can get through some books. I'm a little nerd that way. And nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah. I read, I think I read 65 books last year. Just, I, I, that's just how I spent my time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I fished during COVID, so I didn't read as much. <laughs> Any other rituals or routines that you do during contests? I follow my iPhone timeline, so I always got alarms going off. I call them, the, you know, idiot bells, idiot <laughs> reminders. You know, the uh, any other little superstitious stuff I get into, I usually cancel it out after I fuck up at a conference. <laughs> so I, I don't really have any. I do like a little feng shui in terms of where I set my cookers up and stuff. It has to look uh, aesthetically pleasing. To the yeah, it's got to be right. Yep. Yeah, they got to be facing the right direction and all this. You know, other than that, no, I'm not really superstitious. Maybe there's something I'm not thinking about. Uh, you know, like I, I can recall a stupid ritual I had with disposable needles for your um, to inject for the injectors 
Yeah. And if they went like orange tubes, I used to think I wouldn't do well. If it was in the green tubes, I, I was effed. And then as you, know, you get screwed one or two times with the orange uh, needles, then he like, whatever, I use the green ones too. I literally have ordered more, be sitting on a hundred green disposable needles and would order another hundred of the of orange ones. So, you know, so that was something I used to do, but I gave that up. I don't know, man. Seems important. <laughs> <laughs> Same damn needle is just in the orange <laughs> Are you a timeline guy? Or are you a, a gut feeling cook? A, are you a feel cook? I'm a timeline guy, 90%. And then I can improvise the other 10% or more if I have to, depending on if there was some hiccups during the cook. When those hiccups happen and you get this feeling in your gut that you got to do something, how do you relate to that? Did you, is Man, there a process? Well, a lot of people be effing this and effing that and they freak out. You know, I, I could tell you a couple of stories. The first story, I was at this contest, Dana Point. This is a long time ago. This is like 2012 or something. 12. It was 2012. Mm -hmm. And my little play daughter was there. And, you know, she was recently married. And I always asked her every time I saw her, when are you having a kid, you know? And so the time I, I, I didn't ask her, of course, she was pregnant. But anyway, to make the long story short, <laughs> I overcooked my bunny muscle, and she had just told me before pork, you know, turning, mm -hmm. you know, while I was waiting between rib and pork, and I just didn't give them up. And I turned in eight chunks, Luke, <laughs> out of that box, and scored a one seventy nine point four four. So I think I learned that day, not don't freak out, just get something in the box, you know? And of course I was shocked when I got, when I heard my name, it was a uh, second place call. It took a 180 to beat me. I don't know how I wouldn't try it. I never tried it again, but I just, you know, have that blessing and keep on moving. Uh, another, my third GC was my, probably my most memorable um, hiccup cook I had. I overcooked the brisket. It was just too, you know how you get it so hot sometimes it won't cut? Yep. I had it too effing hot in the hot box. I had too much meat in there. And the damn thing, I knew it was good. And I'm like, I can't get this cut. It's, it, it's probably. So I didn't freak out. It took me about 15 seconds and a light bulb hit. This time, this was the good light bulb. <laughs> so I, I take the whole fucking, I take the, the brisket. I go throw it in the uh, the RV freezer for five, like four or five minutes. Bring it back out. It fucking cuts. I get third place brisket in my third GC. True story. You, you put it in the freezer in the in the RV. It was still hot, but it, it was able. I was able to get six six seven slices out of it with my burn ends. Because it, it brought it. Yeah. Prayed and got third place brisket and good GC. <laughs> and let me tell you something. We were, um, we was running to, to turn it in because I had did all this extra process. Yeah. And so one of my buddies played and it was at a park. It wasn't really a park. I won't talk about that part. It's on another podcast. But anyway, it was crowded. <laughs> so this guy, Aaron Black, 
he used to cook out here. He played uh-huh. fullback for me because I was by myself. And I ran that thing in. He was knocking people over so I can get it turned in. It's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> Probably that's, one of my most memorable cooks. So, that's a great story because you and I tell people all the time it's something that I've learned is you never give up on that piece of meat. There's always something you can do to make it better. Always. Always. Never give up on the box. You know, there's always I hate when I have to push the time, but I'll push it. And, you know, I start a little earlier now because I, I've gotten a little older. I can't run as fast as I used to. <laughs> yeah, luckily, I always have somebody with me and she doesn't like it when I push her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, hey, as long as it gets turned in, that's fine. <laughs> yep. Well, man, it's been great talking to you. I have now the rapid fire questions. These are my favorite questions to ask because I just think they're a lot of fun. And so we'll just jump right into those. Okay. What do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? The posers. (laughs) The posers, the trolls, the know-it-alls, and, you know, judging people's boxes. Yeah, I hate um, that too. I, yeah, sometimes I see some good boxes and people trying to, you know, this garnish is out of place and this and that and uh, shut the hell up. Probably, I mean, you know, they probably don't even cook. Social media has been is a way of life now. So get over it. I understand. That. I'm not being stoic <laughs> or old, old uh, gramps here, but you know, the posers and and, the, and I hear you. Know, you. The truck, I got you. I, I, I'm over it. I am too. Some of the influencers get on my nerve. It's like you spread can, love, spread love. That's spread my love. that's my yeah, whole thing. Yep. Do you have a favorite pre, during, or post competition meal? Pre meal. The last year or so, I've been doing SRF steaks and chops during the cook. It could be anything, bananas, lots of coffee or tea, whatever somebody bring me. I just, you know, I'm so focused on the cook, I don't think about eating. Post, we used to have a thing out here, which I miss, that we don't do as much anymore. The GC used to have to buy pizza. And because I have a sensitivity to tomatoes, it was pizza and wings. So they get wings for me. Or, you know, when I want I get pizza and wings or whatever. That was on Saturday night because a lot of people drive far and that's a great tradition. Yeah, so that that's something I hope to resurrect out here, uh, like we used to do, or something Asian. I, I, I don't want nothing. I don't want steaks. I don't want chops. I usually want like seafood, like shrimp fried rice, something like that. You know, something not um, barbecue. <laughs> something not barbecue. Do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? Simply marvelous rubs. <laughs> what else would I give? You know? Yeah, that's it. I, you know, some you know people leave stuff or need stuff at the comp, and if I got extra in my trailer, I just give it to them. I don't really most of the time charge people. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being a customer. That's that's a hell of a gift to give people. The simply marvelous rubs. Yeah, so that, that <laughs> I mean, it definitely rubs. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to millions, 
What would it say and why? I'd probably say uh, Simply Marvelous rubs are the best rubs on the planet. <laughs> I mean, if I build more and I got to push me, right? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and then if I had to be deep about it and, and, and not self-serving, it would be Conquer Your Demons. Conquer Your Demons. That's really good, man. And that comes some- from... That comes from Conquer Your Demons is... I don't know where I got that from. I, that's something I came up with. But I always, you know, like we were talking about earlier about not being intimidated, no matter who's there at the competition, is because, let me tell you something, nobody can kick my ass like I can kick my ass, right? Right. So I have to conquer those demons because my, my competition is me. Wow, that's you know, a great not, statement. Not, that light bulb is dangerous, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, <laughs> trying well, stuff new in the middle of a cook. I mean, you don't, it's not a hiccup. You just got this epiphany. And you know how that goes. Yep. It, it, it doesn't turn out well. So um, that's a demon. That light bulb is actually a demon. It's not the angel on the shoulder, it's the devil on the shoulder. So you got to conquer those demons. Man, that might be a good barbecue t shirt. <laughs> That is that is a great statement. All right, last question, man, because I'm sure there's got to be something. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? You mean in terms of barbecue? No, it can be anything, man. Like, I'll tell you one of mine is that I really have this thing for Julie Andrews. And not young Julie Andrews, Julie Andrews now. Got you. I don't know why. She's like 89 or something. But man, I think she's smoking hot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't beat that one, bro. No, it's, it's, it's definitely the audiobooks. It's the, it's the, you know, I look, it makes, when I get up in the morning, I can't wait to jump in the truck and turn my book on, you know? So that's, that's cool. That's my deal. That's my deal. Um, <laughs> if it's, you know, I, if it's, a good fishing area, I might go up there a few days earlier and go fishing or something like that. But I don't have absurd stuff going on. Um, right on. That I can think of off the top of my head. Well, Steph, thank you for spending some time with me tonight. And I really appreciate it. Where can people find you online? SimplyMarvelousBBQ.com Excellent. If you guys haven't tried these rubs, I implore you to get online and get some because I can tell you right now that they're a big part of our arsenal at Old Virginia Smoke and they're a big part of a lot of people's and they're some of the best rubs on the planet. So, Steph, thanks again for being here, man. I can't wait till I can see you again. It's been far too long. Luke, thanks for having me, brother. I'll see you down the road. All right, man. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and share it with your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. Next week, we will continue our National Barbecue Month podcast series with one of my first mentors, Chris Hart from IQ. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster and Old Virginia Smoke Podcast is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster and Old Virginia Smoke Podcast is a property of Old Virginia Smoke LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020. OBS, Old Virginia Smoke.